Welcome. This is the Real Estate Investing Mastery Podcast. Hey, everybody. Joe McCall here from the Real Estate Investing Mastery Podcast. And this is a special edition of the Real Estate Investing Mastery Podcast because I have a special guest. But this is the first time we've kind of recorded a podcast with video. So you'll see on the left or on your right, Brandon, and you see myself. And I'm excited about this. This is kind of a new, different format. Hopefully, the recording is working well here. And uh, we, we're both recording different sides on our end. So we have multiple backups. So good, man. How are you doing, Brandon? I am fantastic, man. How are you today? I'm doing good. Now, Brandon is in Chicago, and he's a Cubs fan. I'm in St. Yep. Louis. <laughs> I am a Cardinals fan, obviously. But we're still friends. Uh, so, so I am so sorry to hear that, Joe. <laughs> Actually, uh, we're going to be going to a Cubs game together. The Cubs, the Cardinals are going to play at, uh, in Chicago at Wrigley Field. I've never been there before. So we have on the calendar. It is beautiful here. Yeah, we're so we have on the calendar like May, the first weekend in May, to go see a game together. Well, let me give you a little background on on Brandon. I was at a, an event speaking, I think in Wisconsin, and I forget the mm -hmm. gentleman who it was. I, I'm sorry. <laughs> Do you remember who it was who referred you to me? That is a student of ours. It was it was going to be Nick Bubolf. Okay, that name sounds familiar. So yeah. he said, you got to talk to this guy, Brandon. He's in Chicago, and he's doing a ton of lease option deals, which is what I was teaching about there in Wisconsin. So I said, cool. And I, you know, anytime I can find somebody who's already doing a bunch of deals, I love to talk to them and get them on the podcast and interview them. And so his phone number sat in my wallet for like two or three months, and I always kept on thinking, okay, I'll, <laughs> I'll get to this guy. I'll call him. I'll call him. And I finally did. And he actually, Brandon, you actually remembered me because the, your friend told you about that I would eventually call you. So He did. But anyway, so we started talking about how Brandon's doing deals. And really, he's got a really unique kind of twist on, on how he's doing these deals and kind of what's been going on because Chicago is a huge market. And so I said, mm -hmm. man, I got to get you on the podcast. Let's talk about lease options a little bit. Um, and obviously, I love your T-shirt. You got Schwab Property Solutions. We buy houses and take over payments. <laughs> you got your websites back there, your phone numbers. That's awesome. So yep. tell us a little bit about yourself, Brandon. Um, why don't you start back from like, how'd you get started in real estate investing? How did I get started in real estate? That's a great question. I am able to say that I got into real estate kind of different than most people did. Um, I Prior to being in this business, I owned a boat and RV detailing business. And in fact, from 2003 to 2008, I was jamming. Uh, things were going great. I had a contract with Camping World RV sales really? um, that I was in five different states. I was in Florida, Illinois, Tennessee, Georgia, and Wisconsin. Uh, but then 2008 happened. And a thing that had happened, Joe, is I had gone from a strong – $150,000 per year type of income to, uh, they quit selling RVs. Yeah. And the first thing that was able to happen is I got thrown back into 
the world. And the thing that happened, Joe, is uh, in 2000, in 2007, I bought a house, got married, and had a kid. Well, in 2007, I bought a townhome for about $200,000. Well, fast forward three years, I had gone through the school of pretty hard knocks. And in 2010, the adjustable rate mortgage on our house adjusted from $1,800 per month to $2,750. Oh and a thing that had happened is I had gone through firsthand how it felt to have a house that was underwater. Mm -hmm. And I ended up actually giving it back to the bank, Joe. And I did that. But as I was going through that particular experience, Joe, I found out firsthand how when a person goes through that, they feel like they don't have any options. And because of that, I the heart kind of went out to all those people. But after that, I did a deed in lieu. I had a credit score go from about a 740 down to like a 520. And the thing that I had did is I had gone out, found a person that is an out of state owner of a house, and they just went through a nasty tenant experience. And I told them, hey, I will rent your house if I have the option to buy. And that's kind of how I got into it. And it's great. Today, I've got a four bedroom, two bath house that I'm paying the 18 hundred bucks per month. But the great part is 300 of that's going towards principal reduction. Mm. And because of that experience, when I would go to church, when I would go to all these different places, people began hearing that I was able to do that and go, Brandon, can you help me do that? Hey, I am underwater too. Mm. And as that kind of began to happen, Joe, I began to identify that, hey, there's a pretty good opportunity here, both to help people that are going to be underwater, but then also people that can't have their house sold because they can't get people that can get financing today. And as soon as I found out that 83% of our population cannot qualify for bank financing today, I had quickly identified that there's a huge, a fantastic opportunity here because I was part of that 83% because First of all, I was, I've been self-employed from the age of 15. Mm -hmm. So anytime I go to the bank, it's difficult to come up with financing. And the other 60% of the population has a credit score under 680. And I, at that time, was in a position that I had a, a credit of like 520, Joe. Yeah. So I didn't have a whole ton of options. However, I knew that I didn't want to go out and rent. So that's kind of how I got into it. And then the first couple of years, I was just doing plain wholesaling. And then I found it very competitive because everybody else out there was coming in offering 50, 60 cents on the dollar offers. What, and the thing that what happened year is, is I got into the business in 2008 and I went full time in 2010. Okay. So that's how I got into the business. Not really out of choice, but I was kind of thrown into it. Yeah. And then when I got into it, I, I kind of found out quickly that there was a pretty good opportunity to help people that couldn't come up with financing. And then also people that couldn't have their house sold because they weren't very creative or they didn't understand all of their options. And the thing that I began doing is just being able to educate people of all of their eight options. And then that's kind of how the business got going. Good. I mean, our stories are kind of actually similar. Really? Yeah. I had to do a short sale on our house 
it, I was I had a ton of properties and I took over a lot of loans subject to the existing mm -hmm. mortgages. So I'd still have these mortgages in place. And I never mm -hmm. missed a mortgage payment on one of those investment properties. But I had to miss my own mortgage payments. So I mean, yeah. we bought mm -hmm. a house for like four hundred fifty-five grand, and it was only worth maybe three hundred. And St. Louis, wow. that's a big deal. Yeah, those are the kind of numbers you see in Phoenix in California, not in St. Louis. But we bought right. right at the height of the market, and so we were just hemorrhaging cash. I had to figure out wholesaling, <laughs> so I was doing some yeah. traditional wholesaling, but I was spending a ton of money on marketing, throwing away so many yeah. leads because either they didn't have any equity, or if they did, they weren't willing to share any of it with me. So I got real frustrated yeah. with throwing away so many leads, and I said, "Well, why can't I tie these up as a lease option?" And then wholesale those lease options to tenant buyers. And I started doing that in 2009. Yeah. And uh, yeah. within about three, four months, once I figured it out, my part-time income doing that surpassed my job, my income at my job. And I was making good money there. But I said, man, that's it. I'm out of here. And mm -hmm. that's when I jumped ship. So similar stories. But you, you find that you know in 2008, 2009, and 10, even 2011, lease option deals were really easy to do, right? Because a lot of sellers were having a hard time selling their property. They had to move out. They didn't want to be a landlord. So now they're open to the idea of renting a property to somebody who wants to buy it. That's a big advantage mm -hmm. lease options have, right? But have you found mm -hmm. now in the last year that the market's been changing a little bit? It's been harder to find lease option deals or not any different? Do you have to change your marketing? What, do, what are you doing there? I have found over the past year, I think it has been a little more difficult to find people however there's still people out there that are in a position that they don't have any options mm -hmm. and i think that is going to happen all over the country is if a person has to sell for a job loss job transfer they are going to have kids upsized downsizing all these type of things are going to happen and if they don't have any equity they don't really have any other options we increasing all of our all of our coast to coast advertising absolutely so you're doing deals in multiple markets we are actually okay cool um, let's talk about it. i have a thing that our company is doing is uh i began just doing deals in our area um and i am the suburb of chicago and then i began getting calls from down in florida um i have got a beautiful wife that is from Florida. And then as I would go down there for trips, I would be down there one to two weeks. And then I found, I got to a point that I got kind of bored that I began doing business down there. And I found that down in Florida was a incredible area as well. Um, her family's from the central Florida market. And that was just hit hard back in two 2010, they were given deals away. Yeah. And a thing that I did is by going down there, I began buying and doing deals down there. And then that has in the past six months expanded us to doing deals throughout the country. We are able to uh, get those deals. I've got a pretty extensive bird dog system in place and I have for the past year. That's actually the this page right here that uh work with we have over SP, work with sps.com uh-huh we have over 300 bird dogs throughout the country and wow i have got a very cool software program that people are able to upload leads and then it gives them real-time updates on um what's the 
status of their particular lead. Um, did you create this software or did, did you buy it from someone else? I had invested in it. I didn't create it. Obviously, I am not a, a guy that's able to do all of that software programming. However, the software I did invest into is very simple. And that's kind of uh, what I was looking for is I was looking for a platform that I could have all the people bring us deals. Because the thing that I found is quite a bit of the other wholesalers or the other we buy house guys were getting tons of these leads and they didn't have a clue what to do with them. And because of that, that I found out quickly that I had to have a very clean and easy system to keep all of these leads straight. And a thing that I found was the biggest turnoff was if they gave us a lead that it didn't get responded to quickly. Yeah. So by investing in this program, I didn't have to keep track of thousands of pieces of paper. It was all internal. So um, that's been a huge part of our success. We have had over 550 homes that have been uploaded. And um, wow. out of that, the, the since 2010, our company has done anywhere from 25 to 50 of these each year. <laughs> okay. So uh, that's been a pretty big part of our success. Bird dog deals. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Listen, I can already tell we're not going to have enough time for this podcast interview. So we're because <laughs> I, I get so excited hearing about this stuff, right? Because I, he, you know, this is a guy who's doing deals virtually all over the U.S. and leveraging his noggin. You know how to do <laughs> deals, right? And you, 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 you know what's involved. You, you, I'm sure even in Chicago, you're still doing these deals virtually, right? You don't necessarily go so, see all the homes and meet the buyers, right? No. So why can't no. you do deals virtually from anywhere in the world? Bingo. So, oh man, dang. Because I, I, we were supposed to start this interview an hour ago and I was meeting with my acquisitions manager and so I got late and I, so I apologize, Brandon, but I can tell already this is gonna, we're going to do this in two parts. Is that okay with you? Sure, man. That's fine. Okay. Because I have a webinar in about 30 minutes. So we'll do this okay. part two maybe later today. Um, but this is, sure, this is so good because I'm also the guys, this is going to be an opportunity for you to work with Brandon, uh, maybe as one of his bird dogs in your own market, or maybe you're one of those guys who do a lot of, we buy houses marketing. You get a lot of leads. You just throw away because they don't have any equity. They're still nice houses, mm -hmm. but you can send those, t those leads to somebody like Brandon who can mm -hmm. tie them up as a lease option and, uh, wholesale that as a lease option and, and send you some money. So Cool. Now, I want to talk about how you kind of your evolution into or how you do lease option deals today. And is that pretty much all that you do right now? Or do you do regular wholesaling still in Chicago? Talk about that. I think the business has changed drastically. Um, I began just doing wholesaling and then I got into doing, then I began to wholesale all of these lease options. And I found that that has been good, but I found that that's kind of been a job almost. All right. And a thing that I found that I've kind of gotten to is I have actually identified a gigantic, a gigantic hole in this, in this particular marketplace that if you look at all these bank CDs, all of these type of, all these type of things that people can invest in that are typically producing one to 3%. Uh -huh. 
I got into going into what's a sandwich lease option, but I have begun to actually package them for investors. Okay, I'm really the interested in this. I'm really interested in this because this is very, very unique. I don't know really anybody is doing this on the scale that you are, Brandon. But go ahead. Well, I found out that the average person would be thrilled or I found that the average person gets into the business of real estate with typically fifty to a hundred thousand dollars, either in a IRA, four hundred one k, whatever. But they have a hard time figuring out what do I do with this, okay? And I think your options are either going out buying a house for all cash, fixing it up, and then hoping, pray that you're able to find a buyer that's part of the seventeen percent, or um, you can purchase it rent it and pray that um, your tenants pay you. And those have kind of been the two options for the past 30 years. And I would say this past year, Joe, I kind of stumbled upon this because I do co-host a real estate club in our area. And I found out by talking with people that there's a ton of people that have $100,000, $200,000 that they want to invest in. And all those guys understood that I was doing all of these lease options. And I think we kind of got down to thinking and we figured out how to package these lease options in groups of 5, 10, 15, 20, and then offer them a investment vehicle that they get paid three different ways. And I think when our business began to kind of figure that out, our figures went up exponentially because I don't sell one house at a time. I do packages of five or 10, which that has taken our past numbers of 25 to 50 deals up over 100 deals because I'm packaging tapes of homes basically. And that concept is able to take $100,000 and then I have them put down $10,000 per house. So for every $100,000 that they have, they can control 10 houses. Right. Now, if you have a choice of either putting all of your capital in one house and and that's going to either be 100% occupied or 100% vacant or pick 10 houses that you are able to control, okay, even if three of them are able to go down, you still got seven of them paying for you. And the thing that I found is that as we began doing this, these guys have been getting incredible returns, okay? And... Our typical cash flow on each house is $300. So if you figure out 10 houses throwing off $300, that's $3,000 per month times 12 months, that's $36,000. So Joe, where else can you go today with $100,000 and return $36,000 in the first year? It's phenomenal. 36% ROI. And even if half of them are vacant, that's 18% ROI. Here. But it's 36% cash on cash return, but it's better than that, Joe. When you figure that the end tenant buyer, so a sandwich lease option is a A to B and then a B to C, Mm -hmm. okay? That B to C person is going to put down at least five grand. So if a person has $100,000, okay, they put it into 10 houses, okay? Out of those 10 houses, if they give you five grand each, how much is Mm -hmm. that? 50,000, right? Well, so uh, okay. do, how do you structure that though? Are you keeping that money or are you giving that explain how you're 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 packaging and structuring that? Well, 
part of that 10,000, our company gets part of it. I typically get about half of that. Okay. okay. But the other part is I have to typically catch up the seller's payments. And then um, I also prepay the first 60 days of payments. So our investor or our buyer doesn't have to do a payment till the day 61. And typically by then I've got a person in there paying for it because it typically takes me 30 days to be able to fill those. So I get part of the $10,000. However, on the backside, the B2C deal, that $5,000 goes directly in the pocket of the investor for the purpose of investing that 50,000 into five more homes. Uh, okay. Yeah. Where else today could you go with $100,000 in a period of two years, be producing the $3,000 per month income. Right. But then as you add those five houses of $300, it's $4,500 per month. All right. I often talk to people and I have been teaching the board game cash flow since 2001. All right. Yeah. And, no, no, I, um, I, I've been teaching since 2010. I'm sorry. And when you play that board game, the most important piece of that is to create passive income. Right. Most people don't understand the difference between earned income and passive income. Okay. This here is taking $100,000 and this is, this is taking the $100,000 and turning it to be a very good employee for you producing income yeah. of $4,500 per month. And if you talk to the average person throughout the country, if they can take a hundred grand and turn it into 4,500 bucks per month, most people could retire on that. Or if they have 200, I mean, what's going to be, what's going to be $9,000 per month. So a thing that I do, Joe, is I am able to help people and the first question I ask them is, how much passive income are you looking to have to do whatever you plan to do? As a $5,000 per month, $10,000 per month, $15,000 per month, whatever it is, we will create a plan to help you get there. All right. And I just talked to a person who her goal was to earn $8,300 per month. All right. She only has $100,000, and if you figure out what $8,300 is divided by 300, that's 27 deals. And I told her, all you got to do is five deals per year for five years, and then you're going to be at that point. And a thing that we're doing is we are going to be reverse engineering what people are looking to their end game and then back it up and help them create a plan to be able to get there. And a thing that's incredible for us is that we can take a, a person with $100,000 and they can put that into 10 homes, all right, and help them create $3,000 to $4,500 per month in passive income. But here's the cool thing, Joe, is our company typically gets half of that. So now I'm getting $50,000 that I can invest in our current portfolio. I currently have 20 homes that I have in our own portfolio because I will help people. Then I'll take all of that income and then I will buy houses currently. And here's the cool part. I have a third-party escrow company to take the payments from our Good. Yeah. from the end buyer pay all the taxes, the insurance, the principal, all of that fun stuff. And then I get a check 
typically in the fifth of every month. The fifth of every month is is awesome because I finally figured out how to create passive income where even if I'm in Florida, California, Texas, I still have that check coming in for about $5,400 each month right now. Now that, I'm a little confused with the escrow company. The escrow company is collecting the rent from the tenant and paying the mortgage for each of these houses, yes. right? So you don't even and have to touch that. No, I hate chasing checks, Joe. That's the worst part about being a landlord is that you're chasing checks. You're hoping that these checks are able to clear. A thing that I do is I have the escrow company, which is paid for by the end buyer. They are able to automatically withdraw it via ACH debit. And then I get the difference of whatever the payment is and what I have on their lease, okay? Now, it's typically you're talking about the homes that you own in your own portfolio right now, right? Yes. Okay. And that would also be the same for the any of our buyers is these buyers, I think the escrow company typically pulls out the payments on the first of every month, okay? It takes a couple days for them to funds to clear, them to pay everyone. And then I get a, a check in our PO box on the fifth or sixth of every single month. Nice. Nice. Well, and that's and, passive. And <laughs> that's what I call passive, that's, right? That's totally passive income. But here's the cool part. I'm doing that by being able to help other people build up their own portfolio. All right. And then I take all the profit that I earn and then I put it back into it. This particular vehicle is incredible yeah. because a person can get in. One of the other things that I'm doing um, lately, and for anybody that's on this call here that doesn't have $50,000 cash or doesn't have $100,000 or $200,000 is I'm teaching the concept of arbitrage. The concept of arbitrage is very simple, okay? And if you don't have the cash, then you got to figure out how to get it. How many people out there do you think could go and talk to 100 people and and ask them if they would be interested in earning 8% on their IRA dollars compared to being in a bank CD. Joe, what's the latest bank returns on a 24-month bank CD? You know, I haven't looked at it in a few months. but Less than, less than 1%. 1%. Okay. So if they gave the – if they gave a person the opportunity to earn 8%, Joe, what you can actually do is the, as the person doing this form of, uh, this form of business here is find a person that's comfortable with eight to 10%, borrow the capital and then pay them the first 8% of every year. But then after that, what's the difference between 36% and 8%, Joe? Uh, 28%. Well, 28% of $100,000 is $28,000 per year. How many people you think could do that if they're able to do that type of deal by bringing people in, investing that capital in these type of deals? That's that's just an avenue that we are exploring because there's tons of people that, that, uh, that have literally trillions of dollars on the sidelines in bank CDs earning one percent and um, Joe, I understand that both of us have a common friend of Steve Cook, right? Yes, one of my mentors. Have you ever heard him pull out a, um, a five dollar bill or a twenty dollar bill and 
just ask people what they are able to see. Yeah. I love that because if you would look at a $20 bill, right? And when I ask people that, they typically tell me, oh, it's a $20 bill or it's a piece of paper. Mm -hmm. But if you think about it, that's 20 employees that are either going to be good employees Mm -hmm. or bad employees, Mm -hmm. right? And a bad employee is able to earn you less than 3% each year because that's typically the cost of inflation, okay? A good employee is if those $20 are able to earn you more than 3%. And that's what this this whole business is about. And a thing that I've done, Joe, is I figured out how to help everybody, help the investors get what they are looking for. But then also it it is able to give us the vehicle that I can create cash and I can um, that I can expand our own portfolio. So the cool part is these 20 homes that I have in our LLCs, I did that from helping other people get into homes through this through this fashion as well. And a thing that I do is I help them all the way through from A to Z to help get their tenant buyers qualified to purchase. And then I ask for a small percentage on the back end. Okay. So I am in so I am incented to help their tenant buyers follow through. And if anything does happen, here's going to be the worst case is is if they put a person in there and the and the the person trashes the house. All right. Well I will come back in and help place a second tenant buyer in that house. And the second tenant buyer is going to cover any cost that they had to cover from the eviction cost, but then also the in-between payments prior to putting a person in there. One of the other things too, Joe, is I am probably the most, I'm the opposite of handy. All right. Um, if you if you go to our house today, our front doorknob is broken because I don't fix things. So I encourage anybody that gets into these deals understand that Home Depot was created for the homeowners. Okay. Yeah. Don't go in and begin fixing up these houses because you are controlling yeah. them. Yet the people that are getting into most of our deals, they love to paint their own house. They love to pick their own carpet. They love to do all of that. In fact, that that actually helps them have a further vested interest. I have got a couple out of Algonquin, Illinois, uh, that bought a house from us this past January, and they love to cook. Well, do you think I would have any problem when they came to us and asked us if they could put in a brand new kitchen in there? They put in over twenty thousand dollars into the kitchen, Joe. Wow. <laughs> Hopefully they'll buy it. That brings me up to an important question because, well, first of all, I love lease options. They allow you to control property without owning it, and there's incredible power yeah. with with uh, controlling a piece of property and not having the liability or the obligation of that debt. Because if a deal goes bad, technically you could get out of it because it's just an option. But what kind of what kind of properties are you targeting at the very front end? Because are you going after the low-end homes, the median-priced homes? Does it matter? That's a fantastic question, Joe. I typically tell our bird dogs that I am I am, am going to be looking for typically pretty houses. All right, I am going to be looking for homes that are three bedrooms, two baths, at least $100,000, okay? Yeah. My wife 
is a total blessing. I've got two kids, so I have her at home. But a thing that she's able to do during the day with all of our kids is she handwrites letters to a list of expired expired listings, okay, that are $500,000 and up. We had a blessing this past year that we had a deal in Inverness, which is a very high-end home that the house was 9,000 square feet. And we were able to get this house under contract and we were asking, I got it under contract, Joe, for 1.5, no, 1.25 on it. And we put up bandit signs in the area for 1.4 and we ended up getting a guy to put down 20% on that 1.4 million. Yeah. And I split that with the seller. And I'll tell you that those type of deals are out there and those type of deals are as easy as doing a deal that is going to be, that's going to be 100,000. So I would tell you the past two or three years, I've kind of been open to all of these deals, but I'll tell you, as I'm going on, I'm, I am able to kind of identify that I get kind of pickier and pickier because on a $20,000 house, um, you don't have the profit potential there that you do on a house that's 1.5 million. And in fact, I just put a offer in on a house in Barrington, Illinois. Her asking price was 1.6, and if you pull it up on if you pull it up on Zillow, it is 1.59. I had gone to the house, beautiful house. I put in a offer of a uh, 1.2 cash or 1.6 with her to carry financing. And uh, when I talk to all of these sellers, Joe, I often find that they are very concerned about getting their price. There is so many people going out there, Joe, that are putting these low ball offers in and that's fine, but I incorporate kind of both of them. I offer them all cash, but I also offer them a higher price to do a, a creative kind of lease purchase. Right. And I have found that quite a bit of these homes are free and clear. Yeah. So if anybody's going to be doing these deals going forward, I would encourage to stick towards the pretty houses. Go towards houses that, uh, that people want to be in. I would stay out of all of these war zones. Now, can you still find, can you, can you still <laughs> cash flow? Like if you're wanting to sell a property to an, an end buyer, an investor, that cash flow is $500. Don't you have to kind of stick in that median price range to, to make that happen? Um, I would tell you that one of the price ranges on the hundred to $300,000, one hundred to $300,000 is going to be the typical price range that I'm going to ask you to be in. However, on those bigger deals, we have had times where the cash flow on it is dollars to $1,000 per month. Okay. Uh, but to get the average three hundred dollar cash flow every month, that is typically found in the one hundred to two hundred and fifty thousand dollar type of home. Okay. So and that's very and, and that's very easily done. Right. For um, I just did a deal in Crystal Lake that we got it under contract for two hundred thousand dollars. Our payment on it is sixteen hundred, and we just leased the house up for two hundred and forty two thousand on a four-year term and they put down $17,500. Nice. 
So, so one more question. Their payments though. are 1850 Spread is $250 on that. That's fantastic. I love these numbers. So when, one more question. we got to go, and we'll do a part two. Okay. But the, uh, how long of a term do you typically get it with the seller at the beginning? I typically get it for 10 years. 10 years. Sweet. Yeah. And so um, you're, you're approaching these mainly as a sandwich lease option. Is that right? No, it kind of depends on the deal. A thing that I'm doing here is I'm typically going for as long as possible. However, it depends on the deal. If the deal is going to have some equity or if there's going to have a good payment every single month, then I stay in the deal. If the balance owed is high and the payment is terrible, then I am going to wholesale that deal and I don't stay in that deal. You'll wholesale that, that to, looking for, you'll wholesale that to a tenant buyer. Yes. And when I do that, I get paid up front, typically seven to 10% uh, with an average of $10,000. However, I just get paid one time. If the deal's good, then I'll get paid up front. So I'll get cash flow for five to 10 years. And then on the back end, I typically get $20,000. But a thing that I'm doing is I cannot force what these people's deals are. If I if I pull up their house and they are asking $250,000 and comps today are $200,000, but their payment is $1,000 and rental is $1,800 in that area, I will keep that deal because there's a huge spread every month. And because it is underwater, typically I can get those people to sell for what they are able to owe on it. And that's a and that's an awesome deal. However, if that deal there, if their payments are $2,200, well, so I can find people to, to get into that, but I don't want to stay in that deal because right. it doesn't have any equity or it doesn't have any cash flow each month. <laughs> so it basically depends on the deal. Well, um, there's a whole lot more we can talk about, and uh, we got <laughs> I gotta go. But uh, this would be good to have it in a, a part two that we'll release. So let's just go ahead and sign off right now. I got more questions right. to ask you about. You know, how do you structure these deals? Let's get into the details with the paperwork and and how you assign it. When you assign it to an investor, or when you just assign it to a tenant buyer? When do you keep it? It sounds to me like you have three sure. different things that you do with these deals. And let's talk about your bird dog program. Like, how do you work with these bird dogs? How can somebody else do something similar to what you're doing and utilize technology to, to create these systems? Is, is something I get really, mm -hmm. really fascinated with and excited about. So For sure. All right, Brandon. Hey, everybody, go to realestateinvestingmastery.com. Go to workwithsps.com to get more information about Brandon or sandwichleaseoptiontoday.com. Thank you. We'll talk more about all that good stuff on the next episode. So see you, Brandon. We'll all talk right, soon. Sounds good, man. Thank you. Bye-bye.